Okay, you guys, are we ready? Am I on? No? Test. Now I got the power. All right, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you again for this time, God. We thank you for your word, the gift of your word, God. And uh, thank you for your presence here, Lord. God, we just submit this time to you, and we say, uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would take this word and activate it in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, God, to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be um, mostly preaching out of James this morning on being a doer of the word. If you want to join me in uh, James 1, I'm actually going to read quite a bit of scripture because why not? What could be better? I'm just going to read, um, I'm going to read James 1, most of the way through, if not all the way through, and then I'll tell you my thoughts this morning, uh, what I feel like the Lord's been, been showing me. So, here we go. I'm reading out of the NASB. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are, in, who are dispersed abroad, greetings, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Man, that's a convicting one. Without any doubting. Verse 7, for let not that man expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being, double, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position, and let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like a flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is being tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when the lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every good gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be as it were the first fruits among his creation. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. But prove yourselves doers of the word. This is the 22 is what I want to focus on. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, 
he has immediately, immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Here we go. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Amen. That's a sermon right there. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, if you've come to this church for any period of time, you know what I'm going to tell you. If you're new, you're going to learn something about us. We are a unique church. We are a Psalm 27 church. This body of believers has an identity. We are a church that is rooted in gazing upon the Lord. Like David said in Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I might gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. At New Promise, we believe that if we do that, if we spend more time in corporate worship together, if we come on Tuesday nights and we sacrifice and we say, look, church is supposed to be a ruling body. One of the original Greek words is an ekklesia. It's a ruling governmental body. I don't know about you, but I don't really associate the church as a ruling gov governmental body in the earth right now. I don't think we quite get it. But I believe the scripture tells us that when we press into the Lord's presence through intimacy and revelation of who God is, he begins to give us his heart for our city and our state. And that's the only way we're going to see transformation. And I'm pretty sure if you're at this church, you're like me, and you're here to see transformation. We want to see the church reformed, and we want to see revival. We don't want to see domestic violence in our cities anymore, in homes. We don't want to see injustice. We don't want to see marriage distorted. We don't want to see the enemy's plan. We want to see God's plan. That is heaven on the earth. Okay, so that's the drum that we're usually beating but right here it says, be a doer of the word. So I just want to sort of juxtapose those two things. Like, Louis, he's got his famous message of really doing nothing until the Lord speaks. And that's yes. And then there's also, be a doer of the word. And that's yes too. So we're just going to look at sort of those two things together. Because when Jesus called you, I'm going to read from my notes here. He called you to be a doer. He called you to do works of righteousness to destroy the works of the devil. When he called your name, he did the work of destroying Satan's plan. Amen? He did the work of destroying Satan's plan for your destiny and clothing you with a new destiny. He rewrote our cellular code, gave us a new DNA, called us a new creation. Your name is now beloved and your MO is walking in victory in every season. Okay, this revelation, it starts in our heart. But if it doesn't manifest in our lives, it should bother you. It bothers me. And I do, I'm pretty sure God did everything on the cross he was supposed to do. I'm checking here. Yep, it's all done. He didn't leave anything. His blood covered everything. Okay, so it's on me. So I've got to figure out what I need to do. What is it in my heart that's keeping me, that's hindering me? Um, you might have, um, okay, so. Here's the encouraging part. <laughs> okay, everything in the Bible is so intentional. God is so brilliant the way that he wrote everything and the whole thing. We know that. When Jesus picked the 12 disciples, 
the father let him pick 12 people to help him transform the world, transform history, be his compadres, you know, in his journey. And when I look at the, the disciples, I would not have chosen those people. I wouldn't have cho- thought, ah, fishermen, the world changers. You know, every day I would have thought, okay, let's find the most educated, the most talented, the most, you know, they've got to have their um, uh, degree in biblical studies, you know, at least four years at, you know, whatever seminary. I mean, Greek, Hebrew, the whole deal. It, and no, well, Hebrew, yeah, but everything else, no. What was he telling us? I think what he was saying is, you are qualified not because of the gifts I've given you, but because your name, who you are. You don't have to have everything figured out. We just have to be obedient to the word. God never intended you to sit back and be a hearer of the word. Matter of fact, he says, if if you're a hearer, you're deluding yourself. So God's not looking for, for theorists who can sit around and sound intelligent, pontificating about the world's problems and how we might fix those problems. He's looking for those that are willing to, to minister to his heart and be filled with the love that's inside of him to the point that we can't help but love people the way he does. Okay? That's the beauty of this whole thing. Everyone here this morning, if you have Jesus as your salvation, you are qualified to change the world. You have the gift that everybody wants. They might not know it, but we have what they want. We have the living water. Oh, sorry, I'm a mess up here. So I, my dad's a, a super evangelist. He will talk to anybody about Jesus. I am not that way. I, 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 I'm not that out front with my faith, but I just have to say, Every time I've taken a risk and stepped out, um, be it a prophetic word or um, just telling people that, you know, Jesus loves them, just being obedient and faithful. Like, look, I've, if I've got the living water and I know people want it, I just got to give it to them, right? It's amazing what God does. I feel like I just want to encourage you. You don't have to have some elaborate prophetic word, some crazy revelation. People just need to hear that Jesus loves them, and that changes people. Um, okay, so I, I just, just to reiterate again, there's something that happens, and you guys can all testify with me. When you step out in faith, um, God blesses it, and it's exciting. It's so exciting to see just because you said yes to the Lord, and you probably fumbled your words, that's what I do, you know, but somehow out of it you say, Jesus loves you, and next thing you know, the person's crying and saying, I, I, I need to come to church, you know, and, and that's, that's what we were created for. Seeing people's lives transformed. Okay, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. If you are a hearer of the word and um, you've, you've heard all the sermons and your theology is on point um, and you're in your Bible every day and, and maybe you're even in prayer every day, regular church attender, but you're bored with the Lord. I got to confess there have been times where I have felt bored in my walk with the Lord. I know none of you have ever felt that. I am preaching to myself this morning. But what I believe is that the Lord is saying, we filled ourselves up. We can listen to the sermons. We can read our scripture. We can come to church. We can get around people that could sing our song. 
we're filling up, we're filling up, we're encouraging ourselves, but we're not, there's no outlet. And I feel like the Lord's like, hey, do something. Be a doer of the word. Be a James 122 person that's willing to take a risk and let me bless it and then see if you're bored. I feel like sometimes we're just in this place of comfort and we're like, okay, this is a good balance here. I'm just, all, it's all good, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to risk anything. I don't have to really talk about my faith or put myself out there. I'm safe here, you know, and the Lord's just like, man, that's a double-minded thing. I'm not into that. I'm not going to bless that. Amen? Okay, good. I was hoping you'd amen that. So what I want to just say is, you guys are called to ministry. Like, you were born into ministry when you were saved. What is your ministry? I've been blessed to lead worship for a long time. I started when I was 17. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm a, a bit unique in that, in that sense. But I had to really, like, I don't know how many people were here when I started, but whoo, I've come a long way. <laughs> Leading worship is super demanding. Like, you, you, you know, you either learn to trust in the Lord or you burn out and you're done. That's all there is to it. And there were times, you know, so I went through my later teens, all through my 20s, and now I'm 36 that I've been leading worship. And there were times where I felt like a failure. I felt inadequate. I felt like I shouldn't have been up here. And if I wasn't able to just come up here and grow those spiritual muscles and learn to rest and receive in leading worship, I would not have made it. Um, but I'm so grateful that I had that mindset that like, hey, look, I don't have a choice. I've got to... Um, I've got to be obedient to this calling and see it as ministry. And so I began to see it as ministering to the Lord's heart. But then what I realized is um, I have a lot of ministries in my life. And leading worship is such a joy, but being a dad is a ministry. And... Um, yeah, and being a husband, you know, like men, we should be seeing, if you don't have like a quote-unquote ministry, your wife is your ministry. I don't like going to the gym and doing deadlifts and pushing the sled till I feel like I'm going to throw up. But I do it because my wife is my ministry, and I got to crush the dad bod beneath my feet. <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and I'm telling you, there's something to that. Like, hey, look. The pursuit doesn't stop when you get married, men. Whoa. The pursuit begins when you get married. You get to spend the rest of your life drawing out your wife's heart and vision and beauty. Oh, man. All right. I feel like I have a lot for the men right now. Men, if your eyes are looking upon things they shouldn't be looking upon and you're expecting your wife to meet your needs physically, forget it. You're delusional. Whatever it takes, guys, we got to see our wives as our ministry, our children. Lord, forgive me for being harsh with my, with my kids. Guys, we have to, like, I think it's funny when guys, like, brag about how much they work and stuff. It's like every guy can work a lot. That's what we were made to do. Every guy can protect, you know. That, can, you, can you be gentle with your kids? Yeah. I got, I, got uh, I don't know how it happened. Somehow I have chickens now and I'm building a chicken coop. 
Dang it. Can you build a chicken coop with your kids all around you and be gentle and kind, you know, and every, every two, can I help with that? Can I do that? Can I do that? You know what I mean? I mean, that's my ministry, you know? And you know what's amazing about it is I am storing up treasures in heaven by just loving my kids, those simple little things. Moms, if you're seeing, if you're getting your three-year-old, you know, laying hands on you and releasing healing in the name of Jesus, you know, baptizing the Holy Spirit and saved, man, that is, that's not insignificant. (laughs) And most importantly, before the Lord, I mean, there's nothing better that you could be doing. Back to the men. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's for everyone. Give 25% of your income to the Lord. There's something crazy. Give over and above and see what the Lord does. His word says he's going to bless you. He promises it. Do you trust the Lord or not? If you're bored, do it. See what kind of crazy thing the Lord might do for you. You need breakthrough? Do a three-day fast. Whatever. Start with one meal a day, anything. Fire falls on sacrifice. Trust the Lord to see what he's going to do. Uh, 1536, William Tyndale was burned at the stake in the town square in Belgium for translating Bibles so that they could be read by the common man. Did you guys know that? He was an educated man, but he was also a courageous doer of the word. So he read, he was educated, he could read um, Latin, and he came across the New Testament and read it, changed his life, and nobody else could read, so he started working to translate it and to put it in, in English went to the ruling bodies, the governors, you know, and the king, governors. And they all said, no, not, not happening, not happening, not happening. Well, he took that as his life pursuit. <clears throat> Ended up being burned at the stake. They had, him, um, had a rope around his neck. They had brush around his, around his feet, and they gave him one last chance to recant and repent and change his ways. And he said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And they burned him. That's a doer of the word. And it was just like in Jesus' day, the political spirit and the religious spirit were working to keep people in bondage and in darkness. I can picture Jesus sitting in the shadows, threading together that whip quietly by himself when the money changers were in the temple in his father's house. You know, thinking, I mean, we think we forget sometimes about the humanity, you know, like Jesus was like serious about this as he's... You know, he's, he's making a whip. It's a, he's the suffering servant, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Sometimes we forget, you know, that Jesus that's willing to come against these, these principalities, you know. Like he was, he was, it's serious business. I know we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us, but I think, towards others, but I think a lot of times we mostly struggle with being actually a Pharisee towards ourselves. And we get really, really hard on ourselves and picky and nitpicky. And next thing you know, like, we're not pleasing to the Lord. We're struggling with our identity if we're a son or a daughter. And that spirit is, is really strong. And I feel like we have to learn to wage war against those lies. And that is doing the word. Uh, the orig- so the original Ten Commandments that were given to Moses 
over time turned into 613 laws. And the Jewish, uh, Jewish religious leaders and teachers found ways to make serving God more and more complicated. Right? So we know that Jesus, like, had these battles with these Pharisees that were like, well, you need to be tithing on your mint. Are you tithing on your mint? Are you tithing on your dill? Are you tithing on your... Are you kidding me right now? That's what you're talking about? And it was to the point it was so bad, like, Jesus is healing people on the Sabbath. They don't care about the healing. They care about the rule being broken. You know something's wrong when that's where you're coming from. So if you're feeling like pleasing the Lord and serving the Lord is complicated, I just want to tell you it's not. It's not complicated. Jesus came the hardest against the people that made it seem like it was really hard to do, you know, and it was complicated and you had to tithe on your mint and your dill and your, your cumin, you know. <laughs> And all these different things. And, and, and they challenged Jesus, right? And they tried to trick him and say, what's the greatest commandment? And what did he say? It wasn't complicated. It was really simple. Love God with all your heart and love people with all your heart. And that's what we're called to. All right. So he goes on to say in, in James uh, verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Thank you, Lord. That's so freeing. What are we going to do? We're going to look intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. We're not going to become a forgetful hearer, but we're going to be a doer of the word, and then we'll be blessed. That's pretty simple. So the word look, as in look intently, in the Greek is parakoup. To bend beside, to lean over as to peer within, to look into, stoop down. Law is nomos, to parcel out. Uh, it says mainly especially food or grazing to animals. That's interesting. Abide is lutes, to stay near someone, tarry, be permanent, persevere. And to be blessed is makarios, extremely blessed, by extension, fortunate, well-off, blessed, and happy. Those are not my words. So I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel. I mean, I am because that's what the gospel is right here. It's saying be a doer of the word and you will be blessed, well off, fortunate, and happy. So the perfect law is not the Ten Commandments. It's not Torah. It's not rules. It's stooping down to gaze upon, if you will, kind of taking it, putting it all together here, to parcel out through intimacy with Jesus, tarrying with him and being obedient to his word so we can be extremely blessed and happy. That's the word of the day. It's the fulfillment of the whole law, which is to love God with all of your being. Okay, so it's actually full circle. It comes back to intimacy. That's what intimacy is. The Lord wants us to be a doer of the word, but if we start doing things without being rooted and grounded in love, we're going to do things that don't matter. We, we're going to do things that don't bring fruit. So I just want to encourage you guys, um, as we are spend, spending more time in worship and prayer as a church, to realize that that is powerful time. There's something that the Lord is doing. You might not be feeling it, but we're going to continue as a church to make room for the Lord to speak to our hearts in those times. And I know it's a challenge. It's tough. We've got young kids. It's hard. It's, I get it. And there's a major sacrifice to come on Tuesday nights. Everybody's working 
you are making a sacrifice. But I just want to encourage you to realize the opportunity that it is. The more that you sacrifice, the more the Lord is going to reward you. The more you persevere under trial, the more crowns you get in heaven. All right, that's about all I have to say. <laughs> just had to wait there and see if I was getting anything else. Um, I think we could just go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray, and then we'll have ministry team come up. So, Lord, we just uh, submit this word to you again, God. We thank you that you make it simple for us, Lord. And we just say, Holy Spirit, we know that with your help, we can be effectual doers of the word, God. I did want to share. Um, we know there's the logos and the ramos, ramos word, rhema word. Give me a sec here. See if I can find it. It says, um, when it says, be a doer of the word, that word is logos. I just want to read what it says in the Greek here. Something said by implication, a topic, also reasoning, um, faculty or motive, by the extension of computation. The act of speaking and the thing spoken. That's what it's talking about. It's saying the voice. It's a thing spoken. There's a line here that talks about a living voice. It's just a confirmation that doing the word is doing what the Lord is telling you to do. He wants to speak and, and speak into your life and the, the plan that he has for your life. And he wants you without doubt in faith to ask. And he wants to bless that. He wants us to live risky. I keep just getting this feeling that the Lord's like, take a risk, take a risk. It doesn't have to be some spiritual, you, you know, it doesn't have to be something that you perceive as super spiritual. Give, give extravagantly. Do something that's in your heart to do that you've been afraid to do. Trust that the Lord wants to take care of you. He wants to provide supernaturally. He wants to partner with you in a risk on the earth. He does. So Lord, we just say, give us that boldness, God. We want to be pleasing to you, Lord. I pray over every heart right now, God, over, over every father, over every mother and son and daughter, Lord. Touch our hearts, God. We thank you that you do have a plan for us, Lord. 
and it's exciting, God, and it's powerful, and it's bringing your kingdom on the earth. I just bless my brothers and sisters this morning in Jesus' name, God. Thank you, Lord.